Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. The 1911 is one of the most iconic firearms in history. Designed by John Browning, the 1911 was the standard-issue sidearm of the U.S. military from 1911 to 1985. While Colt produced the original, almost every major firearm company has produced its own version. It's wildly revered for its reliability, crisp trigger, and is still a favorite for all types of shooters. Whether you're looking to buy or build a 1911 and just about everything for guns, log on to MidwayUSA.com. Hello and welcome to the Truth From The Stand Deer Hunting Podcast. I'm your host, Clint Campbell, and you're listening to episode number 104. Today, John and I are recapping our trip to ATA and discussing a little bit of Stump John trivia. So stay tuned. Alright, alright, what is up everyone? Happy Wednesday to you. Hope everyone out there in the whitetail world is feeling fine. So for most of us, it seems like, you know, many of us probably at this point, our, our whitetail season has has ended. I have just a handful more, uh, a few more weeks here in Eastern PA to try to get it done. I went out last night, pulled a camera that I haven't checked in a while, and um, you know, unbeknownst to me, uh, two shooters kind of showed back up in the in the swamp. So I was kind of stoked about that. It seems like the swamp might be back in play, at least here for the last few weeks. I got one little tidbit, a piece of intel on my way out that I think might help me. I think um, I'm starting to figure this piece out just a little bit. Uh, the, the deer, for the most part, uh, in the after, you know, I think I mentioned this in the previous podcast, I guess pre-rut to, geez, almost until recently, uh, the deer just kind of disappeared in the typical place that I had, had a camera up and I did hunt a different spot, uh, or, you know, did a little bit of scouting, found some sign and, and set up on it and, and bumped a buck out of a bed. This is a few weeks ago. And I know I'd mentioned that on a previous podcast. Um, and then I found a little tidbit of information as I was headed out. Cause I was, uh, when I was checking the camera data, um, you know, I saw what time these, these two particular shooters that were there during the summer, um, were there in early fall all through October, then disappeared right around the 27th, 28th of October. Um, they've both now come back or two of them have come back. Um, and I was looking at the, the information that, you know, that the time that they were coming through and the time that they're coming through tells me that they're and the direction from which they're traveling is that the challenge is it's kind of like the area that you have to use as access. So that's been the kind of struggle with this piece overall. Um, what I started doing though, is I started timing my access and not hunting it early. And of course in late season, I'm hunting it primarily, you know, in the, in the afternoons or in the evenings. Um, but I started coming in, even if I were going to hunt earlier, um, during the time in which traffic would be heaviest because it sits along or near a road that gets pretty heavy traffic. And so I kind of used the, 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 uh, the traffic noise on the road to cover my sound getting into the beginning of the swamp because it's, there's, there's private property all around it and I can't get access at least to this point. I've not gotten access to any of the, the private land, even just like to kind of walk through, 
to, to get into the swamp a little bit more easily. So I started using the noise from the road as cover to get in and I've made it in, in successfully coming out. I have bumped deer out of the, as out of the entry point only because at that point, whenever I'm coming out, the traffic's not quite as heavy. Um, and so the same thing kind of held true last evening. And so I have a feeling that the reason I'm getting images of these deer further back into the swamp, um, at around, you know, five thirty to six thirty, seven o'clock, you know, after, after daylight, um, is because they're traveling from that area and they're betting in the area in which I'm entering and I'm being stealthy enough coming in from with the road noise that I'm getting past them because they're kind of bedded early or very close to like the edge where you would just kind of immediately enter. And again, I heard a deer kind of moving whenever I walked through there on my exit out. So I think what my plan is going forward, and I'm hoping to maybe try this. <clears throat> if you listen to this on Wednesday, I'm hoping to get out the Monday the Monday prior, but the weather's supposed to be kind of bad, um, high wind. So we'll just kind of play that by ear and see what happens. But I think my next hunt will be in the front of the swamp, um, in, in the area in which I think that they're bedding this time of year. Because once you get a little further back in there, um, it gets a little wet, um, a little, you know, now at this point it's freezing over. So... There's not a ton of high ground back there for them to to get to, um, you know, to, to use as bedding. So I think that they're bedding closer to the front of the swamp. So that's at least going to be my my next kind of try. See what happens. Um, you know, I'll report back, of course, and see if I had any success doing that. But uh, other than that, you know, this show, you know, John and I are really going to kind of talk about a recap of ATA. So this is my second year going. John, of course, has been going for a while, especially, you know, working with Tecamani and Wicked and so forth. You know, he's there as a, as a manufacturer. I go and help out at the booth, and I'm really there as uh, just to kind of check things out, have some fun, meet some folks, uh, help out at the booth, of course, um, a little bit, and then just kind of you know take the take the sights and sounds in of of ATA. I always kind of look forward to this now every year, uh, this the, you know the, the trip to ATA, just because it's a really the only time during the course of the year that I see a handful of folks. Um, you know, I usually see a couple of my buddies, like my buddy Bo. It's like I'll see him here, and then I'll see him at the uh, at the tax shootout around Pittsburgh. You know, even my buddy, you know, Chad that I hunt with. You know, we'll see each other during the rut when we hunt together. Then usually, you know, ATA or the Harrisburg show, and that's and then that's about it. But uh, so yeah, today we're gonna just kind of cover what we saw there, all the products that we saw that launched that we that caught our eye. We're gonna do a little session of, if you remember correctly, or if you remember at all, um, a few weeks ago, John and I did a session that was a called a Stump John trivia session. So we're gonna do another one of those with just some factoids. Um, just really kind of have a nice little BS session. John and I haven't had a chance to really catch up on the podcast, even though we were at ATA. It's so busy. We we get a chance to talk here and there, but um, you know, not like we get to sit down and chat like this on the podcast. So. Without further ado, let's go ahead and take care of the business end of this and talk about a couple of our partners that continue to help us make this podcast possible. We're brought to you by Wicked Tree Gear, the longest, lastest, fastest cutting, toughest tree trimming equipment you have ever used. Simply put, the toughest saws on earth. How tough are they? Tough enough to come with a lifetime warranty. And right now, when you visit wickedtreegear.com, use the promo code TRUTH at checkout and get a 20% discount on your Wicked purchase. You can also expect there to be some new products hitting their uh, website here in the not so distant future. And John and I talk about a few of those during the course of the podcast. So be be on the lookout for those. We're also brought to you by Glacier Coolers, simply the world's finest. Whether you're hunting, camping, fishing, or whatever you're doing that you need a cool beverage, Glacier Coolers bring you smarter design, stronger construction, and superior insulation of Glacier Coolers. Visit them at GlacierCoolers.com. Promo code TRUTH will save you 20%. And right about now, I'm starting to think about frost seeding here at the uh, 
here at the farm. And uh, now is a great time to start to gather your products to do so. I'll be frost seeding some clover uh, in a fall plot that I had planted just so I have something for green up in the in the spring. And I'll be using Tecamani's clover uh, seed again this year. So everything is bigger and better in Texas, no matter if you're in the south, midwest, or northeast. Tecamani has your food plot seed needs covered. Visit Tecamani.com and check out their product selector tool to help pick the right seed for your food plot. Use the promo code TRUTH at checkout and save yourself 20%. And now without further ado, let's go ahead and get John on the line. All right, folks, welcome back to another episode of the Truth from the Stand Deer Hunting Podcast. And you have another episode of the John and Clint Show. What's going on, man? What is happening, my PA brother? <laughs> what is going on, my IA, my Iowa brother? Not much, man. Just trying to get over this uh, this ATA show crud that I managed to, to catch. I wake up every morning and can hardly talk, and I spend the rest of the day sounding like Johnny Cash. So <laughs> that's, that's funny. I, I dodged it. Um, you know what that means, I lost though. my voice a little bit, or I was starting to lose my voice a little bit after a couple of days of the show and uh, a couple of nights of PBR. But other than that, I, I avoided the crud. Yeah, well, you know what that means. You come to Harrisburg, you're going to get a double dose. That's all it means. Oh, it's, I'll have the flu, like, on day four. Yeah, yeah. I, I don't know. I started feeling kind of, like, off before I even got on the plane to, to fly to Kentucky. But uh, Oh, gotcha. You know what I mean? And I was kind of like, man, it was it was one of those things where I was like, I feel like I'm getting something, and I'm sure as hell going to have something when I come back. I was like, just because, right. you know, as you know, man, it's like you run on fumes the whole time you're there. You know, you're the days are yep. busy you're out in the evenings hanging out with buddies that you maybe only see like once a year or twice a year you know what i mean and then you're up early again the next day to do the show again and it's just you know i don't i do i last night i slept like a log like i haven't had sleep like that in i don't know how long yeah yeah that's was, funny yeah it was uh it was like i i had died but today what well, John, I and i don't do well in hotels Oh, like, really? uh, especially the first night, the first night in the hotel, is just a complete waste. Like I might as well just sit up and watch TV all night, you know? Right. Um, then the second night, I don't know if it's like you're, you either, you're just so tired or you're kind of getting used to like the new bed and a new pillow or something. And, right. But yeah, like you said, man, you're, you're running around at that show. You're on your feet, you're shaking hands, talking to people, you're having a few adult beverages. Mm-hmm. Um, and maybe doing syringe tequila shots from some <laughs> random person at the PBR. Yeah, get, taking the cold sore shot. That's what I like to call it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, am I going to come home with a cold sore? She's like, no, we watch these things, like, fairly often. It's, like, oh, great. it's funny that you say that because, like, all the people that – so I managed to stay away from, like, the syringe, you know – cold sore shot but every person around me that did take them the first question out of their mouth before they bought it was are these washed and am i going to get a cold sore like literally every person it's like a, nobody wants a cold sore. <laughs> no no nobody wants one of those you know especially whenever you're, you've been married for as long as you and i have it's really hard to explain yeah. that away you know what i mean so it's like no seriously i was taking tequila shots like yeah right sure you were you know but uh dude i when I travel, man, I actually sleep like a log, dude. I have like zero problem falling asleep in in random weird places, no issue. Uh-huh. You know, I had like a, I guess I'll tell this story now. I was gonna kind of wait till we got into like our ATA like full coverage, but you know, I told you this, and I'll make it kind of quick. But I flew in in my flight. 
I left a day earlier and came back a day later than I had originally planned. So the, the Airbnb that I had was really just for like the days of the show. So I had to scramble and find a place for Wednesday night and Saturday night. And I ended yep. up just booking a room at someone's house. Like for the days of the show, I actually had like my own little cottage and that's usually what I like to try to book. But I was flying in and my flight got super delayed where I, went, I didn't land until I want to say close to one o'clock AM uh, in Louisville. And, uh, and I, I managed to find a place that a guy had a room to stay in. And I was like, all right, fine. Just one night I'll stay in this room at this place, at this person's house. And I was texting him like, well, as my fl- the Airbnb, is it pretty cheap? Like, it is. is it pretty affordable or? Yeah, it's way cheaper. Like in my opinion, like, so I think, you know, the nice that I had that whole house to myself and I want to say it was like 50 bucks a night or whatever for that like what? little cottage. Yeah. And like the rooms that I ended up getting were like 40 bucks a night. So yeah, usually anytime I, have, I, tra- I need to do that. Yeah, that's what I'm saying, man. It's like usually when we travel, even like my family, you know, when we do a family vacation, we typically just Airbnb it and get a house because it's way less expensive than it would be to get a hotel for however long we're going to be, you know, on vacation or whatever. So I got a room at this dude's house sure. and, I, and I text him and I was like, hey, you know, sorry, you know, sorry to bother you, but, you know, my flight's coming in super late. You know, the flight got way delayed and I'm going to get there probably around like one o'clock or whatever. And so he responds back, and I'm getting ready to get on the flight. He responds back, yeah, no problem. Um, I'm going to go to bed. I'm just going to go ahead and leave the back door unlocked. And I was like, man, that's – so th- I would never do that. You know what I mean? I'd be like, okay, I'm not letting some strange person I don't know just walk into my house at night while I'm sleeping, number one. But I was like, all right, that's cool. Like I'll just walk in and go to bed, whatever. I get on the flight, and I land, and I check my messages again real quick just to make sure he didn't send me anything else. And he did send me another message, and this one says – Hey, just wanted to give you a heads up. There's a dude that lives in the basement that might be walking around. He lives here, so don't be alarmed. <laughs> and I'm like, and as I'm, yeah, so as I'm going to the uh, as I'm going to the house, I'm like, man, this is effed up. I'm like, I'm just going in like blindly to some person's house that I don't know. Like two dudes live there that apparently like don't live together. They live like in different sections of the house. And I'm just going to walk in at like 2 a.m. into their unlocked back door and crawl into a bed, into a bedroom. You know, he was like, it's off the kitchen. I'll leave the door open for you. And I'm just going to go to sleep and like hope that they don't kill me and skin me in my sleep. So, <laughs> but, yeah. Man. And I, I was See, th- that's the sketchy side of that stuff. I mean, yeah, you know, it makes perfect sense and it's cool. Like, you know, you've got a guest bedroom. I don't know. Like, it's kind of. So are some of them like you you go and you're just renting like someone's bedroom like they've got like a spare bedroom they're not using and yeah so it's just a place to like flop for the night or whatever Yeah so two of mine were like that so that first one that I was just talking See, about I don't know if I could do that Yeah well while I was approaching it I was like I so I had John Utah cop voice in my head where I'm like yeah he would not be digging this <laughs> I'm like he would be no, so you'd be no. like so then on the way home, I ended up staying at this place that was this, you know, this lady's house. And at first I was kind of like, okay, so some lady's going to let me like stay in her house, like some random dude she doesn't know. I'm like, this is just kind of weird, but I didn't have any other option. I was like, I needed a place to stay. And it was, you know, two lesbians that lived at the house with like this, like their son or whatever. And he stayed up all night playing PlayStation video games online, basically keeping me awake all night. And uh, so yeah. I didn't, I didn't sleep at all that night. Um, they came home drunk at like one o'clock in the morning after, as I was asleep since I had to get up at like three forty five for my flight. So like lesson learned is like book your travel before you book your room. 
because I could have had like my nice posh little, you know, cottage to myself for the whole time if I would have been smart and like booked it the right way. But sure, I, sure. I did not. So I ended up with like the creepy, yeah. you know, put the it, it puts the lotion on house and then the. Uh, well, yeah, I mean that would be my thing. Like if I was in somebody's room, I mean I, I would like, you know, lock the door, then probably grab like a chair and prop it up against the, you know, the, the knob and. I'd be afraid in the middle of my sleep, I'd wake up, you know, with like the ultimate <laughs> nightmare, like sitting in a bathtub of ice and somebody just stole a kidney or something. You <laughs> I know? know, right? And I just literally like rolled in and was like, hey, what's up? This is the room. Cool. Laid down <laughs> and went to sleep. <laughs> That's so random. Yeah. Like, hello, complete stranger. Yeah. I'm walking inside the privacy of your own, your home. Yeah. And I'm going to go sleep on your bed in your guest bedroom. So, so I'll one-up like, you on geez. that. I, I literally was, like, watching the playoff football game on their couch and, like, passed out on their couch for, like, a solid hour <laughs> in the middle of the in the middle of the afternoon. Like, you know, <laughs> oh, my God, dude. <laughs> it's, it's just, like, I can't even wrap my head around it. Yeah, I was just, yeah, I was just so tired. I was like, I don't even care. I was like, I need to get I some mean, food. I mean, like, and, you know, the house deals, like the cottage deals, like where you have the whole little cabin or cottage, like, to yourself. And, okay, that's that's no different than, like, renting a chalet or something somewhere. Right. But the guest bedroom or, like, do they have discounted Airbnb where it's like, we don't have a bedroom, but we have a couch? Dude, I'm sure you could probably find that somewhere. Well, I mean, it's not as bad like 20 as 20 like, bucks a night. You can crash on a couch. Yeah. So, yeah. It, but it's not as bad. Did you talk to Rodeo? And for those of you out there listening, Rodeo is Chad Sylvester from from Exodus, since he was a, a Rodeo guy in his day. Did you talk <laughs> to Rodeo about his? Li- <laughs> did you Did you talk to him about his living situation or their their situation? Yeah. Yeah. You, staying in a halfway house. <laughs> it was like it was. It, 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 he told me it got five stars online. <laughs> Uh, yeah, like five out of a hundred yeah. was the rating. Yeah, it was pretty, it was pretty special, you know, so at least that wasn't in, in their boat, which was pretty, which five was Five stars awesome. isn't so bad when you're considering 20 to life. Right. Or like, you know, whenever you just, uh, whenever, when you just kind of like, you know, uh, popped up out of the tent city like that, you know, that situation looks pretty good. I think they were, they thought they yeah. were going to get their pizza stolen the one night when they had pizza delivery. <laughs> they almost ordered two so they could give one away on the way back to their room. <laughs> okay total side story when i was younger right after college uh i went to a, a party in cincinnati and uh after a night of partying i got relatively hungry and it was time to order pizzas and so i asked some of the people that were there i'm like hey who's uh, who's the local pizza delivery people around here and they're like they don't deliver here what are you talking about and they said yeah they there was one pizza company. They had a they had a pizza guy that got that got mugged, and ultimately they murdered him and took his pizza and his money. And Jeez. then another pizza company that was a couple of blocks away, they had like four of their drivers get mugged, and one had their car stolen, and one got sent to the hospital. He got beat up really bad. So all the pizza companies just said, you know, they just shut down their delivery service. Right. And I kind of looked around and I'm like, it is time to go. Like we yeah. are partying in the wrong part of town. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I'm, not, I'm no lot, I'm no longer worried about food. I'm worried about my own personal safety. Like, let's just get the heck out of Dodge. Right, or you should buy pizzas and like continue to throw them out the window as you drive out of town, just to kind of exactly keep them at bay. Man, yeah, it's Sheesh. 
Yeah, it's always interesting, man. Like whenever you're going to like these different cities, because even even when we went to, and we can talk about this, but you know, we went to the the Axe Bar, like for the BHA um, yeah. after uh-huh. our jam, and that was even in like a sketch part town because you guys took off, and I had to go drop my stuff at the house, so I had to take an Uber to the house, yep. and then turned around and came out to meet you guys, and like I'm totally solo. Uber is another weird concept. I mean you're just getting in the car randomly with some guy and like, you're not quite sure like how well they drive. Maybe they don't even have a license. I don't know. Maybe they borrowed their, their brother's car. You know what it I mean? It's might like, be a stolen car. Yeah. yeah. Who knows? But you know, it's, and so we're driving to meet you guys at the ax bar and I'm like looking at the, like, you know, if you've spent enough time in cities, right. That like, as you hit certain blocks and stuff like you start kind of looking at like the buildings around you and like, is there trash along the road excessive? You know, is there unkept, like, you know, uh, plywood in the windows, plywood in the windows. Yeah. Like all those things. And like, it starts to turn that to that as you get to the accent and you always want to kind of stay away from like the, um, you know, warehouse areas because those typically like, you know, are seedier kind of areas. I, I mean, I, I rehearsed in those whenever I was in a band, we were always in some warehouse in some like crap district or whatever. But, uh, and I'm like, he's pulling into this alleyway. He's like, yeah, I'm thinking it's in the alleyway. And I'm like, man, this dude's pulling into this alleyway. going to try to mug me. You're going to try to rob me or whatever. Because I couldn't see like a yeah. sign for the axe bar or whatever. And I'm like, he's like, you want to get out here? And I'm like, no, dude. Like, I want you to pull up a little further so I can see the side of this building. And then, of course, like once we got up far enough, I could see in like the doors that like that clearly was like where the where the bar was at. But it, like it was in the middle of nowhere in like a sketch part of town, too. Yeah. Yeah. But... So anyway, I digress. We're not here to talk about our our habits or our I guess the poor decision making when it comes to f- locating housing or pizza at this point. But uh yeah. <laughs> But so I wanted to do so we're going to get into talking about ATA. So I guess I should say that for, first. Like so the topic of today, like John and I of course were at ATA for the for the entirety of the event and what we're going to do today is really kind of recap, you know, what we saw at ATA and, you know, just really what what the events that kind of unfolded during those those handful of days. But before we do that, do you recall John a few episodes ago, it was quite a few episodes ago now that we did the ask John questions or stump John questions. Do you remember that? Yeah, 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 yeah. So I figured yeah. we would, I figured we would do round two of, of ask John anything questions. What do you think? Sweet. You game? I'm ready. I'm ready. Okay. Random, random trivia. Here we go. So a group of owls are called what? What are a group of owls called? Uh. <laughs> Cue Jeopardy music. <laughs> yeah, a group of owls. Yeah, I would never know this. I don't know, are they like a posse? No, they are called a parliament. Who would have think a parliament? A parliament. Yeah, like George Clinton, Funkadelic. That's exact. You know what's hilarious is that was the first thing I said whenever my wife told me what the answer was. I get all these from my wife. Yeah, I'm, I'm not smart enough to know any of this stuff on my own. Um, I thought of the exact same thing. George, George Clinton, and the P Funk All Stars. Second question. You'll not probably get this one either. I had, had no clue. A group of foxes are called what? See, animal theme here. A group of foxes yeah. are called... Oh, man. It seems like I used to know that. Begins with an S. Begins with an S? Is like S is in Sam? S is in Sam. Squad. Uh, skulk. I don't even. I didn't even know that was a word. 
Skulk. A skulk? Yeah. S-K-U-L-K, I think, is how you spell it. Skulk. A skulk. Huh. Yeah, yeah. So now this what one... What the heck? Yeah, I know, right? So this one's a little bit tricky. So last time we only did two, we're going to do three on this one. So this okay. one's a little bit tricky. Kind of tricky, I guess. What is the tallest mountain in the world? Oh. Now I feel like a real moron. <laughs> as opposed to like our as opposed to how you and I usually live, which is like as as like a a, a make believe moron. That's how we usually play. Yeah. I, I kind <laughs> of feel educated, but the tallest mountain in the world. Yeah. I, I mean, is it Everest? That's what I thought too, and so this is why it's tricky. It's actually Mauna Kea in Hawaii. It is thirty-two thousand feet if you measure from the sea floor. Only thirteen thousand of it is above sea level. Oh, that's a ripoff. That's what I'm saying. Yeah, that's like that's one of those like trick questions. All right, you did you did great though. You were you got an A for effort on all of those. Yeah. So. <laughs> <laughs> all right. So now back to the to the. Uh, to the uh, the uh, the discussion at hand here, ATA. So uh, first, I guess, let me ask you this. You know, I know you and I, you know, you get limited time to kind of go out and walk the floor because, of of course, you know, being there, you know, as your job with, with Tecamani and Wicked and, you know, Tecamani Seed and Glacier Coolers and stuff like that and making sure that you're yep. doing, you know, your duties um, for, your, for, yep. your, for your day job. But as you did get out and kind of get the peruse and kind of, walk around a little bit, you know, what were some of the things that you saw that kind of caught your eye that were, that were kind of the cool, like show stoppers of this year? Uh, so the first, the very first thing that came to mind that I knew I wanted to check out was the lone wolf custom gear. Yeah. And that's been a hot topic on a lot of people's, you know, podcasts and, and Q and A's and stuff. Um, you know, the infamous, uh, Andre, uh, DeQuisto, uh, comes back, you yeah. know what I mean? Kind of yeah. thing. Um, so there's a whole lot of hype. It's, if there was like the man in the black hat, you know, kind of thing, yeah. that would be Andre. Right. Yep. Um, so, you know, he's, he's coming back with the lone wolf custom gear and I wanted to see what, uh, innovative stuff he had. Obviously, the original Lone Wolf stuff was very, very, you know, innovative, and it is still innovative in its own right. Mm-hmm. But um, I wanted to check out some of that stuff, and uh, that was that was super cool. There was some other off, you know, offshoot things like Earth Blinds. Mm-hmm. Um, they redesigned their their blind completely, complete new mold. It looks totally different. Um, it's a cool blind, you know, it was yeah. real neat to see. I just like seeing innovation. I like seeing people change up their products and stuff like that. So, um, let's see. Um, company called a Lima shield, hmm. um, has some really cool, like medical field technology, some stuff that they're doing that actually a product that treats the skin cells hmm. themselves. And, um, got to talk to those guys over there and get like a full rundown. And it really, it made me think about a lot of different things as far as my scent control game. Um, and very happy to announce that, uh, I actually just signed a partnership with Alema Shield, nice. um, for 2019. So some really cool stuff there that I was, I was anxious to see. 
Um, hey, Wicked Tree Gear, you know, has yeah. some new products. That was cool. I, w- I won't give a shameless plug there, but. Um, well, I will because I mean because the the hatchet is is because <laughs> well, I because I want a hatchet like in in the worst way. I literally chop wood every Saturday and Sunday there in the winter because I make a fire in the fireplace, and so I go out in the mornings with my little you know makeshift hatchet that I have, and I chop my uh, chop my kindling up you know so I can get my fire started. Um, and that thing would be way better than the one that I'm currently currently using. So that oh. thing is badass. The axe is badass. Yeah. And then, dude, there was a lot of people asking about the, um, the, the, uh, oh man, I'm just completely losing it. It's the, it's not extension. It's the add-on that has the um, pruners. The right pruner? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. There was a ton of people that were stopping by checking that out. It seems like a lot of folks were waiting for Wicked to kind of have that, you know, adapter um, to put on the end of yeah. the pole saws. You know, it feels like a lot of folks were just really kind of, you know, looking for, Wicked to put one of those out to kind of complete their set of, you know, pole saw, you know, trimming needs, essentially. Um, so I know that I talked to a lot of folks at the booth about that piece, you know, specifically, which was cool. So, yep. Yeah. It, you know, uh, you know, on the Wicked side of things, it, it was amazing. Like I've had over two dozen emails already that have come in through the, through the website and people are like, you know, I want to buy the hatchet. Where's the hatchet? I don't see it on the website anywhere, you know? Yeah. Um, and I'm like, yes, yes, we released the product. That was the unveiling. Um, the first shipment is on its way. And nice. hopefully, you know, somewhere around 30, 45 days, you know, they'll be available on the website. So, unfortunately, I'm not going to be able to have them at Harrisburg, which makes me really, really upset. Right. Because that was the game plan was to do the first run of them at the at the show there. But right. uh, I'm thinking about setting up a pre-order uh, spot on the website. They can go ahead and pre-order. Nice. And um, see if we can get that situated. But, nice. Uh, um, let's I think... see. I'm trying, I'm trying to think. You know, this year, like, like I remember last year, like the big, the Primo's, like, see-through blind. Mm-hmm. You know, that was, that was kind of one of the hot, hot items mm-hmm. uh, last year. Um, and I think, in all honesty, it might have been the Lone Wolf Custom Gear was kind of the hot topic. Yeah. yeah overall. I, yeah, I would have to agree with you, man. Like, that was, for me, walking into the show, I mean, they did a, a good job of creating mystery prior to ATA of, like, everyone was wanting to know oh, what was yeah. going on. I mean, it was, you know, anyone who is a mobile hunter at all, you know, and or is a, you know, a, a fan of Lone Wolf or follows you know the hunting beast or any one of these you know forums or, or or different brands they were all clamoring to know like was it a different company is it part of lone wolf are they going out on their own like what's what was the kind of i guess the the format so to speak um i was kind of surpri- yeah. i was kind of surprised like i went over and kind of checked out and watched andre give a demo you know just kind of walk through all the you know all the all the specs of it and stuff like that which was which was cool and, and they definitely shaved weight on everything and 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 they're definitely using a different um uh, metal property that it's you know i can say that it's not cast which is cool yeah um yeah you know but i was really surprised like you know i didn't it, what people might be surprised to know i guess is a better way to put it is that they're actually got into like the game camera market too um yeah know, so that yep. was that was a little bit surprising to me is that they were jumping in like because he's obviously known for his his you know his creation of, of lone wolf and his ability to engineer and, and create stands you know that are mobile and, and killer right 
but I was surprised sure. that, you know, there was a, a, a stand that was part of it. The other part too, that I think that uh, was interesting was that he created this almost like little turbine that goes on the end of a, an that arrow. Cool. Yeah. And that is, you know, the idea of it is, is it's supposed to take the air. If you put it, so essentially for everyone out there listening who can't see my hands, um, you essentially would take your arrow and you would put this on your arrow prior to putting on your putting on your broadhead or your or your field points and and basically it's this turbine that has like all these slotted holes or this little cylinder piece that has all these slotted holes and it's a little wider than what your um, than what your arrow is of course because it kind of fits over top of it and then whenever you release your arrow the idea is that this turbine then does what a turbine does which is kind of move air away from the arrow and create a stable environment for the arrow to travel right which is you know, I don't know. I'm not a phys. I'm I'm not a you know physics guy like necessarily. So it's like I'm like ah, makes sense to me. But as I'm looking at it, though, the only thing that I could kind of keep thinking of that I was like, I think science wise, it makes sense. Like I get it. What what's trying to get done here? I would love to shoot one or see one shot because I just have. And someone asking this, I would just I have a hard time believing it's not going to make any noise. You know what I mean? Like that's my only yep. that's my only hang up with it. And like he was asked that, and he said that there was there was no noise with it. Um. But I would definitely, it's, that's one of those things where I would have to see it slash shoot it, use it to believe it for me personally. I couldn't go on blind faith on that just because yep. some wind going through small slots just feels like it's going to make noise to me, at least. Right, right. It's gonna. It's, it's like when you have like a, a window cracked. I mean, it's, it's right. like the smaller the crack, the more noise it makes, you know? Right, because I was like, maybe I can't hear it, but that doesn't mean that deer can't hear it, that there's not noise. You know what I mean? So, um, but uh, supposedly they tested it um, with some type of decibel reader and, it, it, and it's quiet. So, you know, uh, I would be interested to know anyone who ends up getting, you know, some of these. If, if you're listening and you end up getting some of these and trying them out, you know, I'd love for you to just kind of send an email or hit us on social or whatever and let us know what you what you find out. But uh, so I thought that that was cool. His sticks, um, you know, he obviously made some lighter sticks, and he actually went with a a, a longer stick, a three-step stick and a two-step stick, which I thought was, was kind of cool because I've been looking at a new climbing method for my saddle, and those two-step sticks kind of got me a little bit interested. Um, uh-huh. But I think the other reaction, you know, at the show and just overall was that the price point on, on all those pieces related to the stand specifically ooh, were pretty – sticker shot. Ooh, yeah, pretty salty. You know, I think the stand was like 500 uh-huh. bucks, and I want to say like the sticks are – don't quote me, but I want to say they're like ninety bucks or something like that. Uh, the the, the two the three, the, yeah the three step sticks yeah. So you're definitely going to have some money sunk into it if it's if it's um, if that's the route you want to go. Um, I would say everything that I looked at seemed like quality. So I think you're going to get a quality oh, yeah. piece that's going to last. You know what I mean? Um, I don't know that you'd want to buy ten of these and hang them up around your farm. I think you'd probably want to buy one, and that's what you use from here on out. So right, right, right. But For uh, sure. The uh, I'm trying to think of the other thing that I saw. So the one thing that I saw that was cool, I actually didn't make it over to see it, but I saw it posted on social media. It was actually something that was like these really small, like adapters, or I don't even know if you call them adapters, like almost like pieces of metal to actually take antlers, like to take your sheds and place your sheds. Oh on yeah, top that of, was cool. You know, to be yeah, that, that was one of those things. Well, where I, I think it was called the Rat Hub or something like that. Yeah, something like that. But I was like, man, I was like, why couldn't I think of something like that? Like that's a perfect like solution to like a problem that every shed hunter has. Because otherwise, they just yeah, end up yeah, laying it up. Yeah, to display really cool, like a map set or something. Yeah, because otherwise, I mean, they just either, you know, they lay in a pile in a room somewhere or they end up in your garage somewhere. Or if you are getting creative and going to use them as decor, it's like you're probably hanging them on, like, 
corners of walls or maybe you have like some barbed wire somewhere or like something some in something in your house you can kind of hang them on to display them or like or across the mantle you know above a fireplace or something but like this gives you a real way to kind of like display especially what you just said like you know the match sets and stuff like that which is you know which would be really cool um my problem is though i would just have to find some sheds at some point to use it that's my only downfall there so (laughs) we're gonna work on that when you come out here this spring (laughs) yeah exactly exactly i'm like the worst shed anything you find in public is fair game you can help me find as many as you want on my lease though yo yeah i'll I'll, I'll, no problem I'll, (laughs) i'll do that that's for sure especially if uh if I get an invite in the fall to maybe come sit a day on it, I'll definitely find you some shit. I'm just kidding. There um, you go. The other thing that I saw that, well, I didn't see it again. Um, I missed it somehow. Um, but I was talking to Brandon about it and he was saying, I think it was Reinhardt. That was, and this is just one of those small, like innovation. Like what I love about innovation is it doesn't have to be like a big, like game changing thing. Like the DeQuistos thing was like, you know, they're trying to change the game a little bit, you know what I mean, with advancing tree stand technology, you know what I mean? And everyone will have yeah. an argument as to, like, how far it was advanced or or not, which is, you know, every, everyone's entitled to their opinion. But I love, like, the small little, like, small changes that you actually notice. Like, one of the biggest pains in the ass for me in shooting my target is that, like, the legs, on the fronts and the backs of the legs all come off independently. So, like, when you shoot, yep. you know, especially I shoot a heavy heavy arrow hits the hits the target jostles it around and all of a sudden like my legs start sliding out and every time i go up to get my arrows i'm having to push the legs back in well i think i don't know if you remember which brand it was but i think he said it was reinhardt actually made a leg piece that was that both legs were on it and it was one slider piece that basically slid like the entire length of the body so you basically it came in like two pieces it was like the body and then the legs and the legs kind of slid on the entire length of the body that way. Once it was on, they weren't going to like independently fall off and it was more sturdy. And that was like, to me, that was innovation. Cause it was like, that was clearly a problem that archers had for, you know, for in using those specific targets and they came up with a solution for it. So that was super cool. I'm uh, I'm looking up Reinhardt right now. Yeah. Cause I couldn't remember if Going it was their Reinhardt. website. I couldn't see remember if I see it. anything about that. Yeah. I, you had mentioned that and I, and I meant to go look at that. Yeah, again, yeah, I mean, because Brandon came over and had mentioned it to me, and I ended up going past the Reinhardt booth, but I was on a mission to get somewhere, and then on my way back, I just totally forgot to stop by um, and check it out, but I love the idea. I think it's, it, I, I know I struggle with that, and it's a it's a pain in the ass dealing with the target that way, um, so, yep. you know, I would, I would definitely be something that, that's probably one of the few things, because it's always different, it, it's always interesting at ATA, whether you see things and you're like, Oh, that's cool. Or I would actually buy that. Cause there's a lot of, Oh, that's cool stuff. You know, that you see, that's just like, ah, oh, I never thought of that. Oh, that's interesting. But like, there's very few things that I see that I think that I would use that would be practical. You know what I mean? If that makes sense. Sure. You know, yep. um, I'm trying to think anything, anything else. I know that you and I, before the season, we were talking about, you know, I think we were both going, well, we did, we both definitely changed sites this year as far as like, you know, whether we were shooting multi-pin or single pin or whatever this year. And so I did check out the Trophy Ridge has a new three pin site that they put out. They only have two new sites that came out this year. One was the Alpha One, which I currently shoot, but they put it on a slider, which I don't know if I'm really all that into the slider necessarily, but they did come out with a three pin site, which I thought was cool that you actually put the first two in place you know, like you would almost like old school and then it has a third floating pin that you actually use a knob to kind of micro adjust like you would, you know, any other type of micro adjust site or whatever, which I thought was kind of cool. 
kind of gives uh-huh. you because I know you and I were kind of going back and forth. It's like, do I like the single pin or would I prefer to have three pins only? You know, two pins that were like locked in and like a third that you could kind of move around based on where you're going to be hunting and what distances you were going to be able to shoot. You know, so that was kind of cool. Um, and then you probably have more information about this than I did. I had a chance to swing by and check it out, but I know Sitka has some new stuff coming out as well. They have like some, I don't I think it's stuff that repels burrs and repels probably not the right word, but I don't know. Do you have any more information? Yeah. That? This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tacova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots as well as free returns and exchanges and ship right to your door. Go to tecovis.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Yeah, so, and I forgive forgive me for not saying like like new, new stuff at the show. Um, the new Fanatic stuff, uh, the way that they changed the Fanatic series stuff from Sitka, I actually hunted out of it in the fall of 2017. Um, and then again in 2018, but doing a little testing, there is a new backpack, um, the new fanatic backpack, uh, that they, that they released. Um, and it's all fleece, you know, Berber material Mm -hmm. makes zero sound whatsoever. Um, super cool. Um, and then the new fanatic bibs and the new fanatic jacket, what they did is on the lower pieces, um, basically like from the knees down, they got rid of all of the Berber, mm-hmm. you know, where you're more likely to pick up a lot of, um, a lot of that crap, all the burrs and stuff like that. Yeah. And same thing on the lower side of the, of the jacket. What they also have done is, uh, gotten rid of some material, uh, some of the Berber on the inside elbow of the arms of these jackets as well. So mm-hmm. that was super awesome. So, you don't have that bunch up on the inside of your arm. Uh, whenever you go to draw, you don't have all, right. all that excess material that's going to bound up in between your bicep and your forearm. Yeah, and I have a big problem with that because my biceps are so big. <laughs> Good show. <laughs> and that was a hint of sarcasm if, if no one else yeah, could pick that up. Anything that. more than just a t-shirt, <laughs> yeah. I, can't, I can't totally draw. I mean, I, I, hunt late, I hunt late season in a V-neck t-shirt. Cause it's just, I'm so, I'm so swole, you know? Um, <laughs> no, I would definitely like to check that out, man, because the, uh, one, my only gripe with any of my Sitka stuff is really just like my, my, uh, you know, my super late season, you know, fanatic stuff, just because some of the places I do hunt are kind of gnarly and, you know, I definitely get covered in, in burrs, but I mean, it's so warm. Oh, I'm like, yeah. I'm like, whatever, I'm going to deal with it because it's, you know, it's the warmest stuff that I have. Um, 
you know, and it, and it works, you know, so if they solved that Rubik's cube, um, I may have to, uh, take a look and make a, make an additional investment, um, in, in some, sure. in some of those pieces. Um, so, but yeah, I walked by the booth and, and, and checked that out and that was, uh, definitely something I want to, you know, kind of look into. Um, were there any other, I'm trying to think if there were any other products that caught, caught my eye. And I can't say that like those were like the main ones for me. Like I don't I don't recall anything else that was just like show stopping necessarily that I had to go like absolutely check out. Is there anything else that comes to mind for you? Um, trying to think here. I mean, it's kind of weird because like this is the place where everyone launches their products, but like all the bow manufacturers release all their bows prior to ATA. So uh-huh. everyone kind of knows, you know, what's, you know, what every bow manufacturer uh, has to offer. Here's one. Actually, just, uh, Covert released a couple of new cams. Oh, nice. Um, they did a, uh, they doubled the megapixels on everything. Wow. Nice. Yeah. So uh, one of their, what used to be was one of their more price-friendly cameras called the MP8. Mm-hmm. It's actually now called the MP16. Nice. And it's a budget-friendly 16-megapixel trail camera. Nice. Which is pretty awesome. Yeah. Um, I'm trying to think. Uh, they released uh, a new camera uh, called the Hollywood, mm-hmm. and it used to be called the Illuminator. Uh, they, they redesigned it, but it's a white flash camera. And I've used some white flash stuff. Obviously, I used it before the black infrared days and the red the red light stuff but right. i've never had deer freak out over white flash hmm. yeah i can't say so i can't say that i have necessarily either you know but again it's you know it's one of those things that like i was using white flash you know whenever that was predominantly what you had available to you or the price point was just better for my budget and i don't know that uh-huh. i ever saw like a big difference in and their behavior. But I will also say that I don't know that I was as cute as acutely tuned into their behavior as I am now though, either. So, you know, I can't, I don't know if it's more my, you know, lack of observation or lack of their behavior change necessarily. So I couldn't say anything with, with any type of certainty, but that's interesting that you've not had any kind of, any kind of change. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I haven't had any of that kind of stuff going. Um, I think, uh, in my experience, the deer seem like they get more freaked out over the noise. If they hear mm. the camera go off, like it winds up or, you know, yeah. it I, takes a picture or whatever. Like that seems to be more what I see. Like, um, yeah. you know, you get one picture of the deer on high alert. And then if you're doing like a two photo burst, the next picture is like, you know, yeah. the deer's, you know, butt running away. Yeah. I've definitely noticed that. Like, I've even noticed that myself when I walked in front of one just to test it, and I heard it, and I was like, "Yeah, this we're pulling. Uh, yeah, I'm like, yeah. We're, we're pulling this one. I was like, this one's out." Yeah, but uh, yeah, I don't know. I I did. I mean, a lot of times. Well, I should say I shouldn't say a lot of times because I this is only my second ATA. But last year, I made a point to kind of go around and shoot a bunch of the bows. This year, I did not make it around and shoot a bunch of the bows. I did uh, visit the Obsession booth only because. I wanted to check out, I knew that I was going to be getting an obsession and I wanted to check out what was basically what the, what the lawless, which is their, you know, like their new flagship, bow. they have a couple that are coming out and I wanted to check that out and see 
how that shot because I, I'm going to figure out which bow I want to get. And then they actually released the one called an, an FX30 that actually released the day, the opening day of the show. Like it wasn't even on their website. They weren't sure it was even going to be ready for ATA. And I shot that. And I actually think the FX30 is actually the one that I'm going to, that I'm going to pick up, which is cool. And it, they both shot well. I mean, I was having this conversation with the, I can say our mutual friend now since I know him, but uh, Billy C. I was talking to him, yep. and we were just talking about bows in general. And it's just like, man, all the bow manufacturers now. It's like when you shoot their flagship bows, like they're all, like they're all killer bows. And it just really, oh com- yeah, it, Everybody, everybody's got their A game going. Yeah, and it all really just comes down to like, how does it feel when you shoot it? You know what I mean? And 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 do you like it? And and that's really you know what it comes down to because. You know, I know that I've I shot Matthews before. I shoot Obsession now. I've shot you know I've shot Primes. I've shot you know the top line Hoyts, and it's like, and you could give me any one of them, and I'd be happy. You know what I mean? Like the hunt with, and I'd be able to get the job done. Um, it just comes down to like how does it feel in your hand, and and how does it how does it shoot essentially for you? You know what I mean? And what do you like? So, um, but I did check I did check those out. The one thing I wanted to check out that I didn't get to is I didn't I don't know if you saw it or not but i didn't see a booth for carter anywhere and i wanted to check out some of their um some of their thumb release um uh, releases but i didn't see their booth anywhere were they did you see them there or did, were they missing uh you know i don't know i tell you what i'll see what i'll do right now pulling up the old ata app mm-hmm. on my mobile device look at you being all technologically carter was even there because i don't recall seeing them as well no i didn't i didn't see them and I was wanting to swing by and, and check out some releases because that's kind of like, you know, one of the things I want to change up this year is my release. And uh, I was hoping to be able to make a little bit of a test run there and kind of have someone walk Carter Enterprises. They were there. 2507. Huh. They were kind of sandwiched in. Um, hmm. There was a lot of big booths around there that broke up the aisles, and I guarantee that's why hmm. you didn't see them. Yeah, because I was I scoured like I felt like I scoured like everything and just didn't run across them, which stinks. Because that was kind of the one of the that was one of the main things I wanted to go check out, which is a uh, yeah, which is no a bummer. But uh, man, I think that that's like <coughs> I think that that's you know for me those were kind of like the highlights of the of the show as far as like the the products and stuff like that. You know, is there anything else that before we move off this topic that that caught your eye that you're that you thought was kind of cool or that you heard of? Or, yeah, or, no, I mean, like I said, as far as, like, new stuff that uh, I wanted to see in person myself, uh, that that's pretty much, uh, you know, that's pretty much it, I right. think. Right. Um, you know, Prime had their new their new CT series, Logic Bows and stuff, but mm-hmm. I was fortunate I've got one already. Um, but... Uh, you know, I did go over there and, and shoot theirs because right. I haven't actually built mine up yet. I haven't shot mine yet, so right. um, so that was cool. But um, nice. you know, uh, let's see. Oh, I'll tell you one thing I did do that I thought was pretty neat. Uh, on G five has done some videos where they've done some broadhead testing, mm-hmm. and their old um, their, their old original Montec broadhead. It's been knocked off so many times on Amazon. Mm-hmm. All these like. Chinese counterfeits and stuff like that. Right. And it looks just like a Montec. So they set up a, a, like a guillotine type deal. It's almost like a lead sled. Um, and they're punching through like big, thick chunks of aluminum. Hmm. 
and they screw on one of the imitations. They send it down onto this chunk of aluminum, and it just shatters into like little pieces. Looks like confetti. And then they use one of theirs, and it was actually going all the way into the aluminum and not damaging the broadhead. Hmm. So that was kind of neat. Actually, they brought the same machine that they built themselves just for that test, just to show nice. people like it's not a fluke. You know, we right. weren't just doing any trick photography or videography. This is the actual machine that we use, right. and that was pretty cool. I videoed some of that. Nice. That is cool. I'm always like it is. I, I like the booze that actually do the tests right there. Like they, those are pretty, yeah, those are pretty cool. You know that, and it also uh, shows is it gold tip that does the spin. Is it gold tip that does the spin test every year? Hmm. It's pretty neat. They put competitors' arrow shafts into this machine, and they spin them, and they explode and stuff like that. Uh, you know what? I think it is because I stopped and watched it for a second. I didn't watch one explode. I ended up walking by, but I was. I looked uh-huh. at, I saw them kind of setting it up and I was like, huh, I wonder if they're going to try to break arrows in that. So I guess, I guess yeah. the answer is yes. Yeah. So. Yep. so it's pretty neat. Cool. Well, I think the, uh, the one thing that I think we all always kind of look forward to during this trip, and it's always like the big night is the Badlands Film Festival, which is always yeah. a, a good time, you know, and, uh, and it's always packed, which is, which is super rad. Um, you always stand in line for beer a super long time, which is not so rad, but it's kind of part and parcel with it. Um, yeah. but I'm curious, you know, you have a much keener eye than I, you know, you are a, 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 a filmmaker, um, that is one of your skills and one of your trades that you practice. Um, you know, so I would like to get your take on, yep. you know, on the, on the films overall and just kind of, I guess your analysis of them. And then I'll give my, two, sure. my, my layman's two cents. Well, so first off, you know, the Badlands Film Festival, as an overview, is a, is a collective that they put on. People submit films um, that they have created that are documenting a hunt or documenting a, a, a moment of life. But hunting and the hunting lifestyle is always the centerpiece, some way, shape, or form tied into it all. And there's two different categories. You can do the long feature film or you can do the shorts. Uh, the shorts are like under three minutes and the longs are like five to eight minutes. Um, so they're all relatively short, you know, in the grand scheme of things, but extremely powerful. I think, uh, they're all kind of like that Andy Griffith style where at the end of every, you know, every short film you see, there's or that was gained or lost, uh, along that, along that film. Mm-hmm. Um, they get hundreds and hundreds of entries uh, to be submitted. And, you know, they have a very tough job of usually selecting eight per category. Right. So it's a really tough thing to be selected. And kudos to everybody who's ever sent a film because, man, you are, you're putting yourself out there, mm-hmm. you know, like you're showing it to the world. It might be a private film that you did and you're showing it to the world and um, you're going to get the reactions, good, bad, or ugly. And, and, uh, obviously there was films that connected to me more that I liked more than others. It doesn't right. mean that any of them sucked by any means, right. uh, but some were better than others. In my opinion, that resonated with me or the videography was better or the story was better, but it was super awesome that you're in a, a room full of hunters and, um, a round of applause, you know, for everybody. Yeah. Um, so that was, that's always nice to hear, but, you know, the film that won this year, 
Um, jeez. Yeah. Like, what a tearjerker, man. Yeah. You know? No like, <laughs> yeah. I legitimately yeah. was like, <clears throat> yeah. Oh, boy. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It was like, oh, man, I got something in my eye. Just hold on a second. You know? It was yeah. 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 For sure. Yeah. Um, and you know they do a good job. So I don't I don't want to spoil it for anybody, uh, but you can you can go on YouTube and you can Google Badlands Film Festival and you can look at all the past years. Uh, I don't know how long it'll take for them to get this year's uh, entries up on there, uh, the ones that made it to the final you know final round that we all got to see. But um, you know Matt Zinger always has a film in there. You know he kills it every year. Um, this year, Matt Zinger, I think he finished fourth mm-hmm. uh, in his category, and I do think that he uh, should have placed a little higher. Yeah, but it's Matt Zinger, so like everybody expects him to have like a badass film. You know what I yeah. mean? So, yeah. um, and he you know, always I think uh, I was just gonna say that he, was that was the reason why he was fourth and not a little bit higher. Right. He always takes. He, he also uses that opportunity to, I mean, his videography is also always on point and amazing. Right. And like you say, I think, yeah. I think he's sometimes a, a victim of his own success to a degree, right. Where it's like sure. his, his stuff is so good that people just kind of like expect they just that. assume that that's what he's always supposed to do. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. It's kind of like the quarterback, you know, that is, you know, a, a hall of famer that has great games every game. Like you kind of like expect that's the status quo when they have a, when they have an average game, you're kind of like, huh. Well, why do you speak oh, yeah, today? Sucks. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, you know, so I think that that's I think that that's part of it. I think the other cool thing about what he does too, and I'm not going to give away what the film was about, although he did put out a trailer that was pretty telling um, what it was about, um, is that he takes the opportunity to like he has an audience and he understands it, and I think this is why he's a good ambassador for hunting in general, is that he understands the audience that he has in that moment, right? He has a captive yep. room. Right. Of people who, you know, who have uh, who have networks in in the ability to uh, how should I say it? Like change minds and and sure. uh, impact people beyond themselves. Should, right. Should, maybe we could even say influence. Right. He has he has a room full of people. <laughs> <laughs> I'm trying not to go there. But the yes. title of the film. <laughs> yeah, exactly. He has he, he has a room full of people who have influence, whether you are a person who works for a brand, you know, regardless of the size, right? You have influence because you probably have, you probably have staff and you probably have, you know, relationships with hunters and you have relationships with stores and like all, all these things. And then there's the side of it too, that you play a dual role in which you are part of a brand, but then you are also an influencer in your own right because, well, you're on this podcast and you have a social media presence and you have your, you know, you have your Arrow Wild, uh, you know, web TV show that you, that you run as well, which is all like influencing people's perspectives about hunting and then you have people like me who are there and my only existence in the outdoor industry at all is i run a podcast and have a social media presence you know what i mean like and so everyone has this sphere of influence and so he understands that he has a captive audience who has reach beyond just his own right so his reach is pretty massive just in general but if he can talk to a room full of people who also have reached like it magnifies his message to a degree right or has the opportunity to and that, what I think is interesting about him is that is never lost on him, and he takes that opportunity to take a topic that is, you know, exists in the hunting and outdoor industry in general, and 
kind of kicked the hornet's nest a little bit, man. You know what I mean? Like he, he makes no bones about like, he calls out what he thinks is, you know, not so specifically, but he, you walk away knowing how he feels about a certain topic. Let's put it that way. Oh, for sure. You know what I mean? Um, which I think is really cool. So it's like, I almost look at it like he looks at that as an opportunity to send a message and challenge the audience. Like it's kind of how I see it versus trying to win the film festival necessarily. I think for him winning the film festival would be like icing on the cake, but I think for him, it's all about sending the right message and challenging the audience of, you know, a group of people who have the ability to, to make some changes and influence others beyond the scope of that room. So, um, so I think he probably, I think he kind of does that purposefully knowing that it might not be in his best interest to actually win the event. So, so that's cool that, that he takes that approach, but so yeah, I thought the, I thought the films were good. Like my, my synopsis is the same as yours. Films were killer. Um, anyone who does it and puts himself out there like that, kudos to you. The one that won again, I'm not going to let the cat out of the bag, you know, either. And it was a tearjerker. Um, and if you, if, if you see it, you'll know which one we're talking about. I thought the shorts were cool too, man. I thought, you know, it was interesting, you know, this isn't giving anything away, but there were more, there was more bear hunting this year than there was last year. And I thought that was kind of interesting. A lot more. Yeah. Yeah. Cause the year prior, it yeah, was a lot of a white lot tail, more. a lot of white tail, a lot of elk. So yeah. And a good mix. I mean, granted, there was a lot of compound, but there was, you know, there was some recurve and you know, longbow stuff too. So that that's always cool to see. Yeah. So we've been going on for getting close to an hour here. We've got two more, two more pieces here. You know, so during the entire, you know, whatever, how many days were there? What is your favorite part of ATA? My favorite part of ATA. Yeah. Um, it, it, everybody's under one roof, you know I mean? Yeah. Like, you know, I made a comment, uh, you know, my, our, our, you know, my buddy, Billy, you know, that you got to meet that he was, um, he was like, dude, he's like, um, you know, ATA is awesome. And we were just talking about how, you know, you bump into people that you see and you talk to all your friends and family and, uh, whatnot. And I call them family cause it's all like a bunch yeah. of brothers, you know? Yeah. And, um, when I go to shot show, like I don't hardly know anybody, right. you know, yeah. like I'll know people in the mystery ranch booth and the Sitka booth and, and that's about it. Right. <laughs> so, um, cause I'm not a gun hunter. Right. Um, but ATA is, uh, it, it's so much fun getting to see all your friends and your buddies and seeing all the gear. And cause this is all the products. Everything mm-hmm. is based around archery. Um, yeah. so that's, that's super awesome. That, that is my favorite part of ATA is, uh, in a weird way, ATA is a show that I wish was longer. Yeah. Um, uh, even if it was just a, another day, like, yeah. you know, other shows that I do, like I do a landscape show that the first day it's a half day. It's just a dealer day. Mm-hmm. And then the next two days are open to the public. Um, I don't, I'm not saying I want ATA to be open to the public by any means. Right. Um, but what I would like to see is there almost be like a just manufacturer's day mm-hmm. to where you got to go around and really walk and talk to and, and see all the other manufacturers yourself. Yeah. Because, you know, once you're in your booth, man, you're kind of there, you know, you're kind of stuck. Yeah. You don't get to see everybody else's stuff. 
Yeah, agreed. I think I think my favorite part of it is 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 kind of what you said, which is you know for me, you know you kind of play a dual role because you're there as a manufacturer, right, with with a brand, and and I am too there supporting you know supporting Tecamani. Um, but you know, I'm also there as like someone who just likes to go and kind of check this, this stuff out. You know, my, I'll put it, my job is really to kind of help provide relief to you when you need to go take some walks and go check out some stuff. <laughs> you know what I mean? That's kind of my, <laughs> my job in those things. You're like, Hey Clint, I gotta, I gotta go run at like two to four o'clock. Can you watch the booth for two hours? Like, yep. Got it. You know, that's kind of my, that's yeah, kind of yeah. my job. Um, you know, but for me, you know, because I don't have like a dog in the fight as far as like, you know, I don't work for any said brand as far as like, that's not my, you know, quote unquote day job. But, you know, for me, it's about, man, I just meet like the coolest people there, you know what I mean? And, and, and it's, it's, I always kind of walk away from that event now, you know, for two years in a row, just going, man, I've made, I've made friends there that, that I'll have like for the rest of my life, probably. You know what I mean? And it's all around this bond of like your buddy Andy from from Diamondback Truck Covers, right? Yep. From from Harrisburg, like an hour and twenty minutes from me. You know, super cool guy. Hung out with him, like you know, well we hung out all that that one night. He stopped by the booth the next day, and that's a dude where we already made plans. Is like, hey, you should come over to the house. Well, you know, he, I know he 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 doesn't hunt right now, but he wants to get into it. And I was like, dude, I was like, we'll get you a bow and I'll take you to the range and we'll figure it out. You know what I mean? And we'll get you shooting and we'll get you, get you in the timber to hunt. You know what I mean? It's like, we've already kind of made plans to like, you know, hang out. And I was like, this is a dude I could like hang out and spend some time with and be friends with. Like, he's just that quality of a person. Billy C, your buddy that, that filmed your, your buck kill. Awesome dude. You know what I mean? Never met him a day in my life until he came to the show. And, you know, we've been messaging back and forth already because he's going to come on the show to, you know, just to chat and talk deer hunting or whatever. But like super good dude, you know what I mean? Brandon's killer. You know, Taylor was along this time from, from early outdoors, killer dude, um, had a great conversation with Wade James, like awesome dude. You know, it's just like these guys that, you know, you really only see once at these shows, but like once they see you, man, it's like I walk by and like, they'll remember you from like last year. Like, Hey man, what's going on? You know? And it's just, it's the camaraderie that is, that is cool. Like I didn't, where everyone was at that one bar that one night watching like the dude, I forget the guy, I guess it was Aaron Lewis that used to be from stained or was stained was playing. Yep. Lots of lots of dudes at a bar having beers, having a good time. Like anywhere else, that many dudes in one place with with beverages. Like you could almost guarantee that a fight was going to break out. Not, not. You <laughs> right. know what I'm saying? Not one skirmish. Nothing. No. You know what I mean? Like no. it's, and that I just thought was kind of interesting, right? Because of all the like hangouts at bars that that we've done, like in our youth, and me playing and touring and stuff like that. It's like there was always like one asshole, <laughs> you know what I mean? That was going to start something, you know what I mean? And this group of dudes is just like everybody or the whole group, girls and guys, it's just like, everyone's there for the same thing. Like the hunting kind of brotherhood, you know, and everyone had a lot of respect for one another, which was super cool. So that was my, yeah. my favorite yeah. thing. You already kind of mentioned your, yeah. least, your least favorite thing, which is that you wished it was a little, a little longer or like a day longer. Is there anything else that you don't prefer about ATA? Um, so, and this is, this is kind of catch 22 for me because like the manufacturers, the manufacturers that are there, we spend a lot of money to be there. Mm -hmm. Booth space. Um, we spend 
uh, hotels, travel, meals, new products. We're giving away some stuff. I mean, it's just, you know, shipping all the products in the booth and all that kind of stuff there. Right. So, the you know, our idea of a good time is we have a bunch of dealers that come by the booth and we get to place some early orders and, and meet with our dealers and, and show them what we got and interact with them and try to get some more wicked gear in different shops. Um, the part that I don't like, <laughs> I'll just go ahead and say it, is all the media sales. Yeah. I mean, I love I love talking with marketing companies and media sale companies, and, and I get it. That is the spot where everybody is under one roof, so mm-hmm. you get to go talk to everybody and, and drum up some business. And it it's a whole industry. It's a whole cycle. You know, you got to do marketing, and marketing leads to sales, and sales leads to dollars, which then becomes products. You have a successful company. You innovate new product, and you just keep the cycle going, right? Right. Um, but, you know, for every 10, 15, 20, 30 minutes that I'm talking to a media person, mm-hmm. that's 20, 30 minutes that I'm not talking to a dealer yeah. making sales. Yep. So, you know, it, maybe that's maybe that's the better way to do it. Maybe one day of the show is media only. Right. Um, and you set appointments. Um, and then the rest of the days are traditional show. But uh, yeah. it's just always that struggle. Like I said, you're only there for three days. And, um, you know, you're trying to talk to dealers. You're trying to talk to marketing companies and salespeople. And you're talking to your rep group. And then you're also catching up with your buddies. And then you're talking with the shows and the people, the marketing partners that you have in place already. And um, just very limited. I mean, I think Friday alone, I did 11 videos and one podcast right. uh, <laughs> in the booth. Um, and it's just, it's tough you know it's tough to get it all in yeah no i I totally totally hear you and like i and i've heard that from other you know from other manufacturers too you know i think everyone kind of has the same kind of kind of feeling i know for me from the perspective you know because like i'm classified you know even though i'm there with a manufacturer it's like i still have the podcast and there's you know for folks who do podcasts and web tv shows and you know youtube channels and stuff like that like there's a a business component to that, you know, if you are looking to, you know, if you do have sponsors or whatever, there's, there's commitments that you're looking for and stuff like that. And like you said, like they're, everyone's under one roof. So it's a convenient place. I think for me, you know, as a recommendation to anyone out there listening that would, that has some type of media outlet that is looking to talk to, to brands and so forth, you know, it's like, you definitely want to be respectful of their time, knowing that their objective of being there is not to necessarily talk to you and sponsor whatever, you know, whatever event or, you know, medium output you have, you know what I mean? That's not their goal while they're there. So, you know, my approach is really to, um, either send emails of prior to the event and try to line up meetings and get slotted time to talk to them. Right. That way I'm being respectful to, you know, the other, you know, responsibilities and priorities that they have while they're there. If there's someone that's there that is of interest that I would like to talk to, I'll go up, check out some product, I'll introduce myself, and then try to get contact information and follow up with them after the show and not take up a bunch of their time to give them any type of spiel about what I'm doing and why I would like to work. Like, that's not what they're there for. So I try to make sure that, like, I try to build a relationship. And that's really what, like, you should, that's probably the approach that should be taken. It's not, like, not selling your wares to them in the moment. Like, build the, build a relationship. Because if it's something that they're honestly interested in, you attempt to build a relationship, you're going to be that much better off later. 
um, than trying to like run in like a bull in a china store. You know what I mean? So, um, right, right. You know what I mean? Because I just watch. Um, you know, I can watch. I can watch you. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like I've got a great window <laughs> into like how it happens. You know what I mean? Like watching folks approach approach. You know the you with the the brands that you represent and stuff like that, and and you know what they're. Um, you know the the ones that get um, get your ear and attention either yep. in the moment or after, or the ones that don't. You know what I mean? And there's yeah. definitely you. There's definitely two different categories of approaches, and you can see them play out. You know, as such, um, you know, depending on how they approach the approach a brand. So yeah, that would be well, and it's always a difference. Like the ones you know, that come by the booth, and they're like they're like huge, huge fan of your stuff. I own. I own the 10 foot ultralight. I have a 12 foot, uh, wicked tough. Um, I've got two hand saws. One stays in my hunting pack and one stays in my truck. I wanted to come by and check out this new machete and the ax that you guys have out. These things are super awesome. Right. Oh, great. Glad you, glad you like them. Appreciate your business. Thank you for supporting wicked. And they say, Hey, you know, we've been doing some blogging and it's really starting to gain some traction. You know, I, do you mind if I drop off this media kit and maybe if you're interested, maybe we can connect. Sure, definitely. I'll take a look at it. Thanks. You yep. know, yep. and they're gone. Yep. They didn't waste a bunch of time. Um, they're already a fan of Wicked. They've yep. already bought Wicked Saws. You know, right. it's like, but the ones that walk up to the booth and they stop right before they start talking to you and they look up at the booth and they're like, you can see them reading wicked tree gear hey man i really like wicked tree gear y'all want to sponsor me right i'm like you don't even know what booth you're at you know right. like they're literally just going booth to booth like the bigger the booth those are the ones you know they wouldn't stop at a guy who's got a 10 by 10 booth you know they'll only stop at the big booth and yep. you know wicked you know we're fortunate that we've got like a 20 by 30 it's a pretty good size island booth but yep. i'm like man you know don't do that you know what i'm saying yep yeah, there's definitely there's definitely a, a way to to go about it to where it becomes a where you have an opportunity, and there's definitely a way to go about it where you have zero opportunity. And I watch. Sure, it's sure. like watching a train and wreck. And the people that yeah, exactly. <laughs> like, and the ones that usually have some kind of a marketing sales element to it, like yeah, you know, here's my niche. Mm-hmm. I work at an archery shop. I can influence some people inside my store. Yeah. Um, you know, this is how we're going to help you sell saws. Not, yep. so yeah, we'll take some photos for you. You right. know, it's pretty awesome. Right. <laughs> right. <laughs> All right. So, so how are you going to convert to sales? Because yeah. it takes sales to make all of this go around. Like I, t- I tell everybody, if I was a billionaire, I'd sponsor everybody. Yeah, exactly. Why not? You know yep. what I mean? But give everyone a piece. That's not the way it works. If I sponsor every person, that comes by, we're out of business by tomorrow. Yep. Um, and for anybody listening, I I don't discourage anybody from working in this industry and promoting the sport of hunting. We need everybody to Do promote that. the sport yeah, of hunting. For sure. Uh, <laughs> but we don't all have to be like aspiring celebrities to to do that from that platform. Yeah. I mean, you know, I've got a lot of goals, and yeah, wouldn't it be awesome to hunt for a living? That'd be super cool. Um, but if you think about the people that are hunting for a living successfully making tons of money, I mean, it's like Lee and Tiffany, it's the juries, you know, you can almost count them like on at least, you know, two hands and maybe a foot. Right. Yeah. You have a, you have a 
better chance of being a professional football player. Yeah. Yeah. And that's hard. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> You know what I mean? Like, we all know the odds of that happening are super slim to none. You have a better chance of being a professional baseball. Hell, you have a better chance of being a professional tennis player. Right. Than you, you do. You see my forehand, a, dude? A hunting celebrity. I'm just saying, you see my forehand? It's pretty strong. Yeah, it's pretty solid. <laughs> it's pretty solid. Got the right rotation going. Yeah. I'm, all, I'm, I'm strong on the forehand. Backhand needs some work, but strong on the forehand. But I'm not even going to ask how you got that. Strong yeah, forehand. yeah. We'll go ahead. That's not, this seems like a real good spot to go ahead and uh, call call this one a wrap <laughs> before we get there into you go. any, any CD. <laughs> Um, ATA wrap up. Yeah, the ATA wrap up. I think one thing we did want to touch on, we might have to save till uh, oh, yeah. another, maybe the next catch up that you and I do is I know that you did head up to Kentucky and and, and yep. do and do a quick hunt. So I don't know. Do we want to touch on that now or do we want to wait till the next catch up? We can. We can. I can. I can do it real quick. It's, right, um, let's do it. I still had a late season tag in Iowa, and the day before I left to go to ATA, it was sixty degrees in Iowa. So it was like. Suntan lotion is not a very good um, scent eliminator to right. use. So um, went ahead and just said, screw it. I took my bow and my camo, uh, real nitty-gritty, man, just camo and a bow. Mm, That's nice. it. That's all I took. And um, I brought it with me to, to Louisville, and I went to Bracken County, which is kind of northern Kentucky, and sat one night. So I left ATA late, late Saturday night crashed when i got to uh kentucky and then um uh we actually slept in and slept hard for like 10 hours um then uh went and jumped in a blind and we were sitting we had corn behind us and we had uh, some some old alfalfa field in front of us but it was spitting a little snow it was cold uh perfect you know conditions for late season and i had 14 does three bucks one buck was a buck that I was familiar with from the summer. Uh, never saw him. I had trail camera pictures of him when I was hunting there in the uh, early season, but I didn't see him on the hoof. And he pops out. And all eyes were on him when he stepped into the field. And uh, he went, he came from 400 to 300 to 200, and he got to 135. He stopped every deer in the field, looked into this, um, this draw, and they bolted like they had just seen a ghost. You know what I mean? Interesting. And uh, the only thing I can assume is there had to have been like a coyote or something down in that draw or something. Right. Because um, they were all upwind of me, you know? Hmm. And But it cleared out a whole field of 17 deer. Like within one second, they were gone. Right. Like gone, gone. <laughs> so nice. that was the end of it. That's, that's how it wrapped up, man. I, I thought it was going to happen. I'm like, how cool would this be? It's just a one evening sit in Kentucky and fill my Kentucky buck tag yeah. uh, to call it a season. And, and he was walking a straight line right towards our blind. And, Man. Uh, but that's, you know what? He'll be bigger next year. Right, man. That's things I was actually knowing. I, of course I knew that you were, you were headed there to, to hunt and I had this feeling. I was like, man, I was like, he's going to redeem himself after like the, the early season hunt. I was like, just had a, had a oh, feeling and I yeah. was, I was hoping that you would, uh, I was hoping I would get a text message with a, with a big buck down. But uh, are you gonna uh, do? Are you gonna still try to get out during late season here in, in Iowa while you have a little bit of time left? Or are you or are you kind of season's over? Oh, it is. Yeah, okay. season ended uh, January tenth. Okay, didn't know that. All yep. right, so you are yep. you are done focusing. I'm done. Yeah, 
we'll, we'll have to do a uh, we'll do we'll we'll do another show that we'll do an analysis of our of our season and just kind of like what we did right, what we did wrong, and what we're you know hoping to do for the upcoming year. But for me, my late season is still ongoing. Um, you know, you and I talked at ATA. I was like, <clears throat> I'm really kind of struggling with like the areas the, the that I'm able to hunt right now because I just really really don't have anything that is uh, is showing up. You know, which is kind of frustrating me. You know, and I didn't. I didn't head back to my dad's to hunt the uh, to hunt the hunt the property there. Um, the season there is is over at this point, so I can't go back there and kind of take another crack at it, uh, which is kind of a bummer. Um, and then I still have access to that swamp, but it's like I was telling you, it's it's like someone turned the water faucet off on those deer like right before November. And uh, you know, the last time I was in there was like I want to say like the right before. Or right, yeah, right before Thanksgiving, I think I was in there. No, I was in there after that. I was in there once since since post Christmas, and uh, I saw one. I saw one buck while I was in there, a young a young buck. And uh, I need to go back in and check the camera just to see if there's anything anything that has kind of made its way back. Um, but I'm not holding out a lot of hope at this point. I'm just hoping I see you know some does on camera and I'll set up and see if I can't put a little bit more meat in the freezer because I do have another doe tag to fill out there. Um, but I'm not holding my breath on any, any buck sightings. It's just, I need to figure that piece out for next year and get it dialed in. I really think it's just an early season piece that I'm going to have to make hay early in the year if I can, which kind of, as you know, kind of stinks because it's, you're not, you're, you can't necessarily wait on the right weather pattern in there because you're not necessarily always going to get it that early in the season. You know what I mean? Because they start to really kind of thin out once you hit like mid October. So it's really like for me, like September 15th or the mid September through like early October is really when it has to happen. They start really kind of, they start showing up a lot less frequently at that point. So, but we'll get into that in the, uh, in the next show when we talk about our posts, you know, our 2018 analysis and then our 2019 kind of projection. So, I think with that, man, we can go ahead and shut this shit show down. What do you think? Cool. All I right, like man. it. We're going to the gym. Do it. All right, folks, that is a wrap for today's show. We'd, of course, like to thank all of you for joining us. And if you haven't yet, please head over to iTunes and leave us a five-star rating and subscribe to the podcast. And if you haven't yet, go ahead and give us a follow on Instagram or Facebook. We'd be super appreciative. If you could do those few things for us, those things are super helpful uh, for for the show overall. And before we shut this thing down, we need to give a big shout out to our partners that continue to help us make this podcast possible. Wicked Tree Gear, Exodus Outdoor Gear, Trophy Ridge, Ozonics, Obsession Bows, Tecamani Seed, Glacier Coolers, Ramcat Broadheads, Trophy Taker Rests, and Dead Downwind. And until next time, we'll see y'all. November's on my heels. Makes me proud. Makes me I could show you through the door
All right, gang, the new Truth merch is in stock at truthfromthestand.com and on YouTube below any of the Truth From The Stand videos. I've got some new hats, beanies, t-shirts, long-sleeve t-shirts, and sweatshirts. There's even a new do-hard-shit hat for those of us who like to embrace micro-dosing adversity. So head to truthfromthestand.com and check out the new gear and use the code TRUTH, T-R-U-T-H, and save yourself some cash on the new gear.